0: Welcome to 15 minutes of mental toughness with your host, Dr. Rob Bell. Dr. Rob interviews expert coaches, executives, and athletes about mental toughness and their hinge moments. The hinge, it connects who we are with who we become, and it only takes one. And now for your host, Dr. Rob.
1: Get rid of ego in every way possible. And that's the hardest thing to do. Once again, human nature, man, it's hard to admit when you're wrong. But once again, if you get to the point where you're able to look at yourself critically and say, man, I really screwed up. And those are some of the most important words that you can ever say in a leadership role. Guys, I really messed that up. I'm sorry. I'll get better. I'll be better for you next time. How can we grow together? Do you guys have any recommendations? This
0: podcast, 15 Minutes of Mental Toughness, is brought to you by our sponsor, SOS Rehydrate it's an organic drink mix as effective as an IV drip it's proven by science and used by elite athletes because only the best will do for elite athletic performance so for all your hydration needs our listeners today get 15% off if you enter the code mental toughness at I need SOS .com This episode is brought to you by Some Sleep. Go to That's getsom.com. That's g e t s o m.com. We all deserve a better night's sleep. You drink one can 30 minutes before bed, and it's that simple. This awesome blend lets you not only fall asleep fast, but then wake up feeling absolutely refreshed, not hungover or foggy. You're going to absolutely love this product and in fact Go to getsome.com and enter in the promo code Dr. Rob Bell, D R R O B B E L L. You get 10% off. Guarantee you're going to love this product. Go there right away. So, our guest today is in his uh, 10th season of the NFL as a strength conditioning coach, NFL Strength Coach of the Year in 2017. Uh, it's his second year as head strength coach of the Los Angeles Rams, the original LA team. Uh, before the Rams, he was assistant strength and conditioning coach at the Miami Dolphins, and before that, seven seasons at the Detroit Lions for a strength and conditioning coach. Uh, even before the NFL, our guest today was at his alma mater, Toledo, where he was director wow. of strength and conditioning to all sports. He also played linebacker and was a walk on. And I, I love the walk-on mentality, man. Our uh, our guest today also has a wife, Robin, and three children. Uh, Ted Rath, Ted, thanks so much for joining us, man.
1: No, my pleasure. I appreciate, it. I'm humbled to be on here, and I appreciate you asking me. This is awesome, Dr. Bell. Thank you,
0: um, Ted. Let's start it out. What what is what is mental toughness to you?
1: You know, mental toughness, and a lot of people ask that, and can you develop it through players and what gets there and what do you see with the guys at this level? And me personally, I just think mental toughness is having the ability to overcome adversity. So adversity is something that's going to attack everyone at some point in life, and some people more than others, some people less than others, depending on what your outcomes are. But I think mental toughness is having the ability to turn that into a positive. So mentally tough individuals respond to every situation, positively or negatively. And I think when when you truly come across a real mentally tough individual, those are typically the people that can spin that positive outlook on everything, and those are the people that take adversity and not only look at it as, oh, why is this happening to me? They look at it as, okay, this is a growing opportunity. This is an opportunity for me personally, growth-wise. This is an opportunity for me maybe to make an impact on someone else and help them either going through the tough tough times that I'm going through or maybe help them avoid those tough times that you might be in at that, that, that moment. Excellent.
0: So, you know, in your role and working with so many athletes throughout the years, is this a skill that, that we can develop? Or is it
1: something that we're just born with? You know, it's nature-nurture. I think you get a little bit of both. So I think when you when you truly come up in a ranks, whether it's in athletics or in the business world or whatever you do in a leadership-type role, I think you naturally grow by being put into those situations and thrust into yeah. them. So how do you grow? I think there's a little bit of a nurture there. So depending on your mentors and the people that you have grown up with and the people that you have learned from, I think there's definitely growth that's available, and that's an opportunity there. You have to be willing to grow. and Some of that, where that comes into play, and the thing that I've always found is ownership. If you're willing to take ownership and you're willing to look at yourself critically in the mirror, and our head coach, Sean McVay, does an incredible job of presenting this in a way to where the players see this. And he talks about it a lot. Look at yourself critically in the mirror. When you can do that honestly and openly and do it every single day, you're going to be willing to step back and learn. So then I think that nature version is definitely available. You can start to become a better leader and develop some of those tools that you need necessarily. Now, I think you're also ingrained with certain personality traits. Some people are, are brought up and you look at a guy and you say, that guy's got leadership ability. That guy's got the capability to do it. But I have seen people grow, even at this level in the NFL, even years into their career to where they've grown and they've changed, and a lot of it comes from a new coaching staff or a new player that's on a team that might be a different vet. So I definitely believe that there is nature, but there is nurture. I think you can raise some of those, those traits, but I think you're inbred with a lot of them as well.
0: Yeah, and I think you and I both know the power of the environment that we create, and, and I want to ask you you know, about the ramp I You use that term like ownership because I, I, I hate the word buy-in because I think it's just other people buying into what we want for them, where ownership, you know, it's more of their taking ownership of it.
1: Absolutely. Don't oh, you hit it on the head
0: with um so Go ahead. so in the um in the environment that you're in how do you cuz you always talk about having athletes be comfortable being uncomfortable so they have to face adversity obviously that's how the muscle grows in itself and, and that's how the mentality changes as well what are some things that you think actually help build athletes mental toughness and help
1: them overcome that adversity I think you hit it because physiologically, if we're talking just human anatomy and everything, there has to be a stress. There has to be a new stress to create adaptation. So unless you take the tissue beyond what it's used to or beyond what the the human mind is going to recruit as far as motor units and muscle fiber, you have to take it a little bit beyond that point to stress the tissue, and then you'll bring in that adaptation in a positive way. So you get supercompensation, become stronger or more powerful or more neurologically efficient at recruiting fiber and motor units. If you look at the human... This does interaction-wise. I think it, right. the same thing applies to mental yeah. toughness. Yeah. Unless you have been brought out of a brought into a situation where you have to be incredibly uncomfortable because let's be honest, as humans, yeah. we want to be comfortable. That's right. what we actually, we want to feel safe, we want to feel in a good environment, we want to feel protected at all times. So it's not until you get into that point where you are brought out, out of those situations, you are made really, really uncomfortable, that you have to go through a similar growth process. You have to adapt, and you have to go through that growth figure out, all right, how am I going to be more efficient in this uncomfortable situation? Because Realistically, this is my situation now. I would love to be more comfortable, but now I have to attack this. Now I'm going to be a better person at attacking this situation. So I think it's very similar. Just as a mental mental side to the physiological, I think you still have to get stressed in order to adapt and become a more mentally tough individually.
0: And do you think, I mean obviously there's a programming standpoint, but do you think it also comes then to the role of the coach and, and you know, because obviously we're going to fail if we're faced with adversity, right. uh, how does that role come into to your play and, and then just with coaching, you know, grown right. men and athletes?
1: That's a great question because how you look at it, how do strength and conditioning professionals periodize certain programming, programming times of the year? So if it's in-season versus off-season, if we're in a power phase versus a strength phase, there's ways that we can program around trying to create the change and stimulus that we want for that adaptation. I think from that, as a coach, you look at practice, we always talk about, let's practice how we play, let's play how we practice. How do you create those stressful environments? Because realistically, in a game situation, you are going to run into a situation that's not ideal. So if it's third down and long, you probably didn't want to get into a third down and 15 situation because you had a couple penalties. But realistically, you're going to come across that. So I think stressing the athletes mentally in practice and putting them in that situation becomes critically important. Because unless you put them in that situation, they've felt it in game-like situations, once they feel it on Sunday, the most critical time of the week, you don't want that to be the first time they've experienced that specific feeling because you don't know how they'll react. Put them in environments environments, teach them, and then learn from how they react, and then hopefully promote a better positive reaction the next time, the next time, the next time. And Do you have... Um I mean, do you have an example? Yeah, I mean, realistically, how we practice, we'll we'll put our guys in a specific situation. So if it's a fourth down and it's the end of the game or the end of a half, and we have a play clock that's set at two seconds, there's multiple scenarios that we could possibly go through, and then that changes based on the end of the half and the end of the game. So we'll literally do that every single day. Our specialty Uh coordinator, John Fossil does a phenomenal job of doing some of our football in-game management stuff. So when we look at every situation we can come across, right. we practiced it multiple times. So honestly, our example would be David. We do it every single day. Every time right. we step on the practice field, we're creating those situations, and then we'll talk about them in the meeting room, and then we'll come out and actually physically perform it. Exactly. So they've seen it, they've heard it, then they coach through it, and then they feel it.
0: And then they feel it. Then they have the debrief from it as well.
1: Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. One of the one of the really cool things I I've seen, and I think I've tried to incorporate personally in with my staff, and it just as a personal. After-action reviews—it's something the SEALs doing. It's something that I found really beneficial because while it's still fresh, while it's still in your mind, while it's still ingrained, you just felt it and experienced it. Everyone went through it, then go in there and say, "Okay, guys, what went right? What went wrong? How do we fix it? How do we get better? How do we improve on it?"
0: Yeah, boy, they really are good at that too, aren't they? You know, one of the things that really impressed me when we met at the combine was uh, was your staff, and, and just it seemed like everybody, even there in an all. Off- was still dialed into the same page what's what's the culture like um, where you're at
1: yeah the the first thing once again our head coach sets it so you know Sean McVay Sean has done a phenomenal job in creating that culture where it's safe to take ownership where it's safe to ask questions why not in a disrespectful but in a curiosity manner and he's created that and I think that's trickled down so even me within within my staff I've tried to create the same type of comfort Everyone wants to feel safe. Everyone wants to feel connected. But I think once you develop that, it can't be I got to trust you first before I'm going to be vulnerable. I think vulnerability should come first. Once you're vulnerable, then the trust develops. So I think it has to be organic, but part of that is hiring the right people, bringing in the right staff members, and then everyone grows organically together. So we're friends on on work time. We're friends outside of work time. We have young families. We have a lot of things in common just in life. And I, that was one of the things that was important to me, honestly, when I was picking a staff and, you when know, I'm looking to hire people. It's, what's your life? You know, where are you at in life? Do you have young children? What are your goals? Not just football, but what are your goals to get to in life? You know, do you go to church? Are you a Christian? Just simple things like that. Not that I'm going to hire or fire based on those things, but just trying to get to know the individual. And then if I know what makes you tick, I can have a better interaction with you, and that's going to help me communicate with you better.
0: Yeah, nice. You, you know, you mentioned something there, um, you know, being vulnerable, and then that trust aspect boy that's really tough right i mean it's grown men i mean to lead kind of with our worst foot
1: forward yeah. um
0: how 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 do you recommend we do that like as coaches from the coaching standpoint
1: would get rid of ego in every way possible and that's the hardest thing to do once again human nature man it's hard to admit when you're wrong but once again if you get to the point where you're able to look at yourself critically and say Man, I really screwed up. And those are some of the most important words that you can ever say in a leadership role. Guys, I really messed that up. I'm sorry. I'll get better. I'll be better for you next time. How can we grow together? Do you guys have any recommendations, suggestions? So I think getting to that point is the most difficult thing probably I've ever done personally. But once you get to it, that becomes so rewarding because that vulnerability does take on a new trust level. And once you do start to develop that trust, all bets are off. You can only have success when everyone's truly on the same page and working for each other for a common goal.
0: I like that man because i always say ego is easing god out absolutely love it coach uh one of the things that you know i always like to touch on is is individuals hinge moment so that one person one event or one moment that makes all the difference uh, can you
1: share with us your, your hinge moment yeah it, it's funny because I, yeah, I went back and i thought about this a lot and there's a number of things that happened in the of my life that shaped even having children and things like that are just some of the things that change you to the core of who you are and your morals and your values and everything else. But the big one for me and being in the NFL and a coaching position is everyone's going to get fired or everyone has been fired at some point. So the first time I, I got let go from a position was in Detroit. I got let go from the position and we had a structure change at the top. We had management change with a front office. We had a new GM, new team president. They basically said, we're going we're to make a change here for the sake of change. To me, I'm not going to say I agree, disagree. It's the craziest reason I've ever heard. But I said, okay, I understand that appreciate the opportunity, and going from that from that moment forward to where it just hits you like a ton of bricks the first time, you're not prepared for it no matter what you think could possibly happen. You go through that first cycle of, man, okay, what could I have done different? What could I have done better? Realistically, the, the ultimate end game is if you are putting yourself in a situation where you, you are needed and you are successful in your role, you should never have to worry about it. So going through that process, it's very humbling. So I think from that Uh, moment forward, just changing my outlook on uh, daily improvement, daily excellence. How do I approach each and every day? What can I do today? Past doesn't matter. Yesterday doesn't matter. Two weeks doesn't matter. Last season doesn't matter. What can I do today to put myself and my team in a better position so that we can win? So I think when you get humbled like that, once again, just like anything, mental toughness comes into play. And It's either you're going to respond positively or you're going to sit down and solve I went positively on multiple job offers that night and I said, okay, where am I going? Let's go. Let's pick the right one. I ended up going to the Miami Dolphins from there, but it was a catalyst of what brought me here and got me with Sean McVay and with some of the people that, that are some of the best influences in my life in just a short time, a year and a half to two years of knowing them. So I think that path is ultimately going to lead you where you're supposed to be. So having faith and being a man of faith, I always have you know, the one Bible verse that popped in it's funny, I look at the daily Bible verses and everything else. Jeremiah 29, popped wow. up that day, and it's basically summed up. God is, knows what He's doing. He's going to take care of you. So if He knows what He's doing. He's going to take that's care that's of you and put you that's in that's a situation and prosper, yeah. not for your harm. So going through tough situations, still remaining faithful and having that faith to where it's going to work out for the better. And then rewinding, now looking back and saying, that's why this happened. Now I can sit there and say, I'm glad I kept the faith. I'm glad I just kept my head down and kept working and kept moving because... Everything does eventually work out. For so Whatever you were supposed to do, you're going to be happy with
0: that. Knowing the plans I have for you, that's yeah, a good verse. Absolutely. Absolutely. When you talk about, you know, obviously the, the daily discipline and focusing on the now and today and letting go of the past, was that something that, you know, with that experience getting fired, um, did it did it solidify that or did it make it more crystal clear? Because I mean, it was probably something you did before, but did it make it more uh, front and center?
1: It definitely brought it to the front of what I looked at because I've always been my own worst critic. You know, if I make a mistake in every small, big or, or minute, I look at it and I'll, I'll think about it, I'll ponder it, and I'll, I'll probably think way too much on it. But I'm trying to say, okay, how do I avoid this? I think that's the wrong process. So I think it brought it front and center and said, okay, maybe don't look at things like this as far as avoidance. Think of this as a learning experience. So every setback is a setup for a comeback okay, it happened because of this. Man, that happened. How do I avoid it? How do I avoid it? You almost become so entrenched with the problem that all you try to do is not make that same mistake. You're probably going to trip up and make a couple other mistakes instead of learning from that and saying, well, I learned the Edison the Edison phenomenon. I learned how not to do something. Now I can try multiple different avenues to get the result that I want, but now I'm going to look at it as, let's try this instead of just avoid that. So once again, glass half full, glass half empty. Part of mental toughness is, Saying, what can i use in my toolbox sometimes it's the failures that you've come across and those are some of the best learning tools that you'll ever have
0: okay. I'm, I'm pausing a little bit because that's that's fascinating so instead of looking at the problem look, i could have done better what I need to avoid it's it's totally switching it and looking at this is like uh, this is a good thing yep. um can, can you elaborate just a little bit more on that because I, I really love that point
1: yeah, so for me, it's almost the process. You keep coming back to the process. So if I did, say, it's something as simple as an exercise progression, and I chose an exercise that, looking back now, was a horrible mistake. As you know, maybe I eccentrically loaded the hamstrings at a specific point in training camp, and looking back now, it's crystal clear I shouldn't have done it because their workload and their work volume was astronomical at that point from the acute chronic standpoint. So if I look back at that, I say, okay. Now, the reason I chose this exercise was because I had to stimulate going back to stress. I had to stimulate stress so that I could get the adaptation that I want for the posterior chain of this athlete, in this case the hamstring. I need to develop strength, power, and closeness in the hamstring so that the athlete can play. Now, my thought process, I'll come back to the process. My thought process was right. I continue to kind of focus and find the positive. My thought process was right. My stimulus was wrong, so I still need to stress the hamstring. But instead of taking them through an eccentric load where they're already being extremely loaded from a volume standpoint, maybe I can do it in a hip hinge movement. Maybe I can do it from an RDL standpoint. Or maybe I can just do an easy concentric movement and then begin to progressively overload that with time and then work back into the eccentric maybe next phase, which would be three to four weeks. So I keep coming back to the process. Okay, I want to stimulate the hamstring, but I don't want to stimulate it too much to where they will not receive the adaptation I want and I'll overwork them. So I keep coming back. The process is right. Okay, hamstring. Now that's led me down 13 different avenues where I can say, here's a ton of other exercises that I can potentially use that will not overstress the athlete, but they'll give me the proper amount of stress that I can impact.
0: Yeah, that's a great example, man. With, um, you know, it's interesting when you mentioned like getting fired and those two types of coaches. I mean, I, I was always told I'd be fired. I never understood how that was going to happen. I was fired after doing a good job. So a week of my life down at the Masters with a golfer, a couple weeks later, I was fired because they didn't quite need me at that no. time. And no. uh, man, boy, that is, that's a real painful experience to kind of go through, um, you know, as a coach. Absolutely. Um, what is it about, you know, when it comes to coaching in your field, you know, and, and your passion about what you do is, is really evident. I think you bring, you obviously bring that every day. But what is it about with the NFL that that most people don't know about, you know, being a uh, strength and conditioning
1: coach and in charge of so many people? And it's, uh, the hours are brutal. I think some people understand that now. I don't know if they truly understand just the commitment that it takes. And when you have a family and you have commitments outside with life and raising children, things like that, it is a balance. And I say balance because some people will say it's a struggle and it's work-life balance is impossible to do correctly. I think everything's possible to do correctly. So, even having a staff where our head coach allows our children to come into the building and we can develop that work-life balance within our culture helps everyone. But I think that people don't realize how much work really goes into this. And the public, God bless them, because we have phenomenal fans in the NFL, especially with the Rams, they see Sunday. And then some of the questions that you'll get are almost dumbfounding because they say, well, what do you do in the offseason? I don't think I've had an offseason in 10 years. I'm still waiting for one. So I, I think when you actually go through – the daily grind and how much work goes into just putting the product on the field for Sundays, that six-month span of the season is so incredible. Even me being in it looking back and saying, man, we work. We're in the middle of the training camp. We're working 18-hour days. And we're yep. doing it for a month straight. And we don't get days off. And for the next six months, people are saying, well, can't you just do this on Saturday? No, I won't have Saturday off. So hopefully February or past. Um, within that man, it's the reward comes from the players, the coaches you work with, the staff members you interact with, and the culture that you are able to build with some of the great people that you come across, and then once again bringing the families into it and developing lifelong relationships with the players and those staff members, and then your children start to develop. And there's nothing more rewarding than working for the common cause and the common good of something. We're all trying to trying to get a ring, and we all have that common goal. So we're going to try to do whatever we can to hold each other accountable to get there.
0: Yeah, protect the mission. Absolutely. So a question for you coach, you mentioned balance, um, you know with obviously working with lead athletes and lead coaches, what's something that you do personally to really
1: maintain that balance? Yeah, for me it's easy because when I go home, it's, it's the first thing I do is walk in the door, give my kids and my wife hug and a kiss, say I love you guys, just you guys, so proud of you guys, and just to be back here in that moment, whether it's for 30 minutes that night or whether it is those rare weekends that you we get, and then it's setting the phone down and saying, "I'm here. I'm going to be the best version of myself that I can be here." One of my favorite quotes ever is, "Be where your feet are." I think taking that to the next step is be the best version of yourself where your feet are. So if I'm at home and I'm just constantly talking on my phone and I'm work's coming home with me, I'm not being the best version of myself for my children, for my wife, for my home. Now, if I set the phone down and say, I'm going to be dad here, 100% dad, you're going to get, my wife calls me calls me aggressive, I'm more passionate, once again, that's a more positive term, I'm passionate about a lot of things, so when I get home, I'm still, I still still have a lot of energy, and I'm still ready to play with the kids and everything else, but that needs to transform into my my number one primary goal, and that's being 100% of me as a father, as a husband, and then when I'm at work, it's got to completely transform, that's got to be me, you're, you're the strength and conditioning coach, it's got to be you 100%, Find the best way to do this job and do it at a better level each other day.
0: Well, get after it. Yep. You know, and, and I think you both know then the, the, the real mentally tough one has to be the wife, Robin, yeah. and, and everything. Um, <laughs> Coach, one one thing like in the, in the book of Manning, uh, Archie Manning um, played 11 seasons in the NFL for the Saints, never had a winning season. Yep. And one of the things that stood out was that his kids never knew they just thought he was, like, good, but they just knew they never won championship. They never had a winning season. How is it, and, and I guess what advice do you have for those that are listening, how do you let work just absolutely stay at work if, if you know, we go through those troubles? Um, how do we not take that stuff home? With us?
1: And, 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 you know, that's something I'm still trying to do a better job of, and I think you're never good enough at that. But I think the one thing is realizing, once again, I come back to, all right, I have to remind myself, and I, I talk to myself more than anyone when I say it. Be where your feet are. So if I hear those words click in my head as I'm pulling into my driveway and it's been a day where I'm like, man, this went or this went wrong. what a day. Open up the door, garage door pops open and then all right, be where your feet are. Just having that little echo of uh, walk in the door and then you hear those little feet running towards you at that they don't know what happened at work and they don't understand and nor should they feel the brunt of it. So when it's done, it's done. It's left in my car and then I'll pick it back up when I'm driving to work the next day. But I think constantly reminding yourself of those and just kind of the blessings that you have when you sit back and look. Say, man, it's gonna be okay. It's a great day. Open up the door and you still have those loved ones sitting there to to come accept you, whether you won, lost, they don't care. You know, they're there for you. And I think that's the biggest fan in your life is gonna be your family. So when you walk into that door, I think my job is to remind myself, hey, this is not my my place to bring home work. They don't need to hear whatever happened today. Even on the positive side, we'll all celebrate if we have a great win. Yeah, absolutely. But that the manning quote is phenomenal because I love that, too. How my children, my goals, I hope they never know. If we win the Super Bowl, they'll understand because they're probably going to get some new toys. And that is going to spend some money on stuff. But other than that, I don't want them to understand a day that goes by, whether it's a good day or a bad day at work. If I do that, then I failed that day just as a father. I firmly believe that. Yeah, And he-
0: and that's probably been a big part of him is just absolutely shutting everything off, all technology-wise, getting home.
1: Yep. Yeah, awesome. yeah, that's tough, too. It's tough because the phone's going to ring, it's going to vibrate, and just a big thing for me is just don't check anything until the kids are in bed. And if it is an emergency, obviously someone can get a hold of me, but you know, just setting it down and saying, here's where I am. I'm with you, let's let's go. Yeah, yeah, fantastic, man.
0: With, um, when it comes to mental toughness as well, Those that are listened to, obviously, from a lot of different areas, but what's something about mental toughness that we can do, you know, either on a daily basis? What's something that you recommend that we do in order to to work that mental toughness muscle?
1: That's a great question. Um, I think the one thing coming back to football and just how we prepare, once again, we put our athletes in stressful environments. From a physiological standpoint, I put athletes in a stressful environment. From a personal standpoint, I almost think, In order to maintain growth, to maintain that trajectory where you're trying to become more mentally tough, daily daily improvement, daily excellence, I think you have to put yourself in stressful situations. So almost put yourself out there and going back to learning how to be a little bit more of an owner and make mistakes and, you know, apologize when you screw up. Those things, I think, put yourself into a really stressful environment and they put you outside what your comfort zone is. I think what you can do that you find a stress yourself a little bit, and then that allows for that growth to come in. So just like in football practice or just like in a weight room, we're trying to create a little bit of stress, but not too much so you can't adapt from it. We're trying to create just a little bit so that we can get that true adaptation.
0: Yeah. And is it okay to ask, like, what's, what's something that you do? And I know the continuous improvement and the debriefing that you do, but what's something that you do to get yourself out of your comfort zone?
1: It's really that, nice, you know, and... I'm writing a program and giving it to my staff and saying, guys, put goals in this. What, what can we do better? Yeah. All bets are off. So it's okay. Come to me with any idea, and I think they know that and they believe that. But I want not confrontation, but I want pertinent discussion that's going to lead us to better results. How do I do that? I have to take my ego out of it first and foremost and say, guys, all right, here's what I've laid out. This is the best I got right now. Tell me how I can do better and tell me what I did not do right
0: yeah. And in doing that with your staff, then they take ownership of, of that piece as well. Is that right?
1: Absolutely. And I love how you keep coming back to ownership because it should be a partnership. Whether it's coach, player, whether it's staff members, it's, there's no level to a great idea. Jim Caldwell, who I was fortunate to work for in Detroit, he always said there's no rank to a good idea. So if you go back to the military and you look at their structure, if you are the lowest level private, but you have a phenomenal idea, it's your mission, it's your duty to make sure that that climbs up the progressive chain of command because you don't speak up and we're all involved, probably not getting to the level that we need to get at. So, when everyone feels that ownership and everyone feels that involvement, people are more willing to say, Hey, let's try this. Have you thought about this? And ask those why questions that really lead us to growth.
0: I think we just got the title of this podcast, man. Uh, there's no rank to a good idea. Love it. Hey, Coach Ted, I uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, you know, wish you all the best um, in the season's upcoming. Um, I know you have an excellent thing there going in uh, Los Angeles with the, the original L.A. team. Yep. But uh, thanks so much for joining us, man.
1: Thanks, Dr. Bell. Once again, thank you. I'm, I'm humbled that you had me on here, but thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Best of luck with everything. God bless. Cheers.
0: Thank you for listening to the Mental Toughness Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. You can also check us out on Twitter at Dr. DrRobBell
1: or visit our website at DrRobBell.com.